This morning we have a fun featured servant ministry. I heard it at 745 service. I don't want to tip it off to you. So here's the lovely, talented, and extremely skilled Jan Dickinson. Welcome her here. but not too smart. I thought we were going to sing our song first, so I apologize. (laughs) Um, I'm here to talk about our next sewing day. It's less than six weeks away. There isn't much time, so I'll state all the facts in my sweet little rhyme. The date is important, July 25. From 9 until 3, Fellowship Hall is alive. We'll be making these school bags, fill them with supplies, and send them to UMCOR to brighten kids' lives. Sewing these school bags is what we will do, but nothing gets done if we can't count on you. We need cutters and pressers, sewers and pinners. No matter the job, the kids are the winners. Walking tacos will be on the menu for lunch as our way of telling you thanks a bunch. I can promise you that fun will be had. At the end of the day, you'll be tired but glad. So sign on this sheet, tell me what you will do, put it in with the offering, and I hope to see you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, t- I told the first service, what, what a great announcement, Jan. I said, you know, when you get to the sermon after that, you're going to be heartily disappointed because I simply didn't have the time to put it all into a rhyme. So, there you go. We're so glad you've come to Marion Methodist uh, Church to worship this morning. If you're um, uh, seated here in the sanctuary, we certainly hope that you will open that insert and look at the sewing day thing that Jan just mentioned to and sign up. There's also a yellow card in there that we'd love to have you sign in. Um, You know, we're not going to make you stand up or do anything uh, as a guest or visitor, but we certainly want to know that you're here so we can be praying for you and welcome you into our congregation. So we're glad uh, that you've come. Lots of information about the church, either back there at the Welcome Center or on our website, which has the very difficult name, marionmethodist.org. So uh, take a look at us there. Oh, loving Father, we proclaim in our hymns, praise choruses, creeds, and prayers that you, O oh God, are a loving Father, the one who creates and cares for each of his children. So this morning, Father, we, your earthly family, gather for worship, and we celebrate your care among us, for, for those who are part of our congregation who have been injured or hospitalized this week, specifically we pray for Betty Hansen and Patsy Deerberg, Mark Morgan, Linda Liston, Luann Byerly, and Dylan Huckfell. And we thank you that others of your children, doctors and nurses and technicians, have been extending care to them. We proclaim in our hymns, praise courses, creeds, and prayers that you, O oh God, are a loving Father, the one who creates and cares for each of his children. So, of course, you stand beside those who are grieving today. You stand beside Marion Wheeler and her family because her beloved Ron has joined you in heaven. And you stand beside Vicki Stanley and her family because her brother Craig has done the same. Father God, while you rejoice in those new additions to the heavenly clan, these here ache. So we beg your mercies to be poured upon them. We proclaim in our hymns, praise courses, creeds, and prayers that you, O God, are a loving Father, the one who creates and cares for each of his children. 
So we know that as our hearts jumped in joy this week at the ordination of Ben Blanchard, the renewal of their marital vows by Josh and Echo Wecker, the preparations for Vacation Bible School and the beginning of a mission trip, we know that your heart rejoiced with your people as well. So thank you, Lord. Today our culture celebrates Father's Day. So we thank you for all those men who have loved us and sheltered us, challenged us, and inspired us. We thank you for the men who gave us life. We thank you for each man who played with us and struggled with us, who helped us find our calling in life and showed us how to be people of both strength and gentleness. Thank you, God, for the men who taught us your will and word. Thank you for the fatherly love that did not laugh off our dreams or brush off our ideals. Thank you for the men who gave us their time and attention and so helped us become secure in who we are. Thank you for the men whose lives have been prayers over us and caring for all of us throughout our lives. And help us who are their sons and daughters, whether by blood or affection, honor and respect the men who have loved us and made us strong. Help us honor our fathers for doing the very best they could, even if sometimes we wish and they wish things would have been differently. So grant those men among us who are now raising children an extra measure of wisdom that they may know how to guide young feet to an increasingly turbulent world. Give to them that strength that knows how to be tough as well as tender, demanding as well as forgiving. All these things we pray in the name of your only Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If you're able, you please rise and praise the Lord with me. Christians come in various sizes and shapes. We have different kind of clans within the family of Jesus, but all of us agree on one specific statement of faith known as the Apostles' Creed. Will you speak it with me? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and stood at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life. 
can really see how uh, that might become one of our favorites. That was beautiful. Thank you. Usually you don't get new songs that old preachers that he hasn't heard very long before, so thank you. That was wonderful. I, uh, I want to apologize to my 745 service this next week, but not today. So, because it's too late. Because I walked in there this morning. I walked in here this morning and I said, something's different. And then I tweeted it and all that kind of stuff. But I said to my 745 service, you may not want to go, but you've got to get in our sanctuary right now. And they kind of came in and took a tour. And all they said was, wow, is this awesome? I mean, give a shout out of praise, you know, for, for the people that have spent all, probably summer and all week for sure, doing this stuff. Just give thanks because, uh, and for when you're a pastor, it's so grateful that every generation has a new group coming up. That will, that will lead and guide and shape our children. And, and I know that we are pushing our limits tomorrow, uh, but if there's a child in your neighborhood and your family that has not met Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior, and they need a place to come where it's going to be a ton of fun and they're going to we- meet weird, weird animals where Jesus' love is one of a kind, bring them here um, tomorrow at 9 because I know our team is so awesome. They'll make room. Um, and they're even grateful that I just said that. So um, as stressed as they are. Um, uh, you probably know if you're on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook that Pastor Keith is not on uh, is here today. He's on vacation. I'm not on any of those things, but I knew too. So um, Keith's gone. And also Pastor, or, or Vicky is, uh, is away today. Um, her brother died this week, and we celebrated his life and resurrection on Friday. Uh, I know she's going to come with her family to one of our later services here uh, in the church. Um, so be praying for her. Now, Pastor Keith and I have been uh, working on this sermon series for, for a handful of weeks now, and we're going to continue on for a few weeks. And, and the sermon series is called, Should I Join? Now, for those of you that have been part of Marian Methodist for a long time, you, you've been a member, and, and for you, uh, and, or that you've been a member of any Christian church, um, this, this sermon series is directed at your hearts to say, I know I said a lot of things back in confirmation or maybe when my family came forward in front of the church and joined the church and I agreed with them at that time and I'm not so sure as what they were and I don't remember them so well. And so we're pointing this at, at you so that you might really embrace your membership vows and, and, and more richly live them out in your lives. And for those of you that have uh, come by a friend's invitation or God's Holy Spirit's brought you to Marian Methodist because you're, you're seeking something in your life and you're not really sure what it is, but you, you believe that somehow the Lord Jesus Christ has something to offer you. This, this sermon series is offered for you too so that you might know kind of what our, what our baseline is and what we're all about and, and, and what we desire our members to do. And the other thing, if you're new, you need to understand this, is that we're a church that believes in, in God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe that Jesus Christ is coming back to reign in final victory, and we base everything that we do on the Scriptures, the Old and New Testament. And typically, we come to a point in our service where I say, the Scripture for today is, or Pastor Keith reads the Scriptures. But in this little handful of 12 weeks, we're actually embedding the Scriptures into our sermons. Uh, and so if you want to see that other way, keep coming for three or four weeks, and when we get uh, into 1 Peter, we're going to read it right through from verse... Uh, to verse. So in, as we've begun this sermon series, what, what, what uh, Keith and I have done over the first handful of weeks is we've talked about what we believe, what we corporately believe as people that, that, that say 
I believe in Jesus Christ and I want to affiliate with his church. And so we've talked about how how we believe that in the repentance and how do we believe in the confession of sins and how Jesus Christ is our Lord and all those kinds of things. And we say these are the things that we cling to and believe. And now these five weeks that we're in the third of five weeks in, we're talking about those things that we say we'll do. Because we believe these things, these are the ways that we'll articulate our faith. This is what we will do. So there is this sentence in our vows after you've said everything that you believe where you say, I will faithfully participate in the ministry of the church through my prayers, my presence, my gifts, which is what we're talking about today, my service, and my witness. Now, I'm going to use a reference that only about half of us are going to know. Do you remember Flip Wilson? How many of you know, remember Flip Wilson? Remember that? Okay, Flip Wilson, uh, for those of you that are younger, used to have a TV show on before computers. You watch TV on a TV, okay? Um, and you're, you, if you're a kid in my generation, you were also the remote control. Mike, turn it channel seven. Okay. Okay, so let's see what on nine. Okay, <laughs> you know, but before all that, there was this guy named Flip Wilson. He's a famous comedian, hilarious. And he always gave a monologue at the beginning of his show. And I remember one time he was giving a monologue and someone was questioning him back and they said, well, what, are, are you a religious man? He says, oh, I'm very religious. They said, well, what religion are you a part of? He says, uh, well, I'm a Jehovah's bystander. And they say, well, what does a Jehovah bystander mean? Well, I believe in God. I just don't want to get too involved, you see. And I'm coming to you today to say the church needs no Jehovah bystanders. That, that's not what we're all about. When we say, should you join? The answer to that question is, if you say yes, it involves everything about you. Everything you are and everything you're going to be. I put this out here today because I want to ask you a simple question. You ever seen one of these before? Have you? Okay, so you're cute and smart. What is it? Well, you guys are pretty quiet for somebody that all laugh. What is it? It's an offering plate. Right, this is not a salad bowl. This is an offering plate. Churches have them of all different kinds. Sometimes they're real fancy in our, in our uh, other congregational setting. We have them, they're wood. Sometimes we use KFC buckets, but, but they always mean the same thing. And now, I know, and it doesn't mean this, because I know some of you came in, you saw that offering plate there, you saw me grab it, and you're like, well, I'll do it in Methodist terms. Oh, great the money sermon. And then in your mind, you had that, ah, falling off a cliff because we saw you and you can't get out. But that's not what I want to talk about today. A little bit, but not so much. See, I will offer you today, get how I tied that together, offer you. I'm a professional. No, that's what I do. That giving is a lot, about a lot more than money. Our giving to God is a lot more about money. You see, in the Old Testament, giving is all about obligation and responsibility. It's all about the fact that if you believe in God, you have a responsibility to give 10% of, your, of, your, uh, of the things you get. And if you don't, you're just a horrible person. Now, the New Testament, which is, of course, where Jesus' life, if, if you're new to the Bible, there's an Old Testament, New Testament. The Old Testament's the Bible the Jews added on to that, is the Testament that, that's called the New Testament. The, Jews, the Jewish Bible is our foundation. The New Testament is the story of Jesus Christ and those that followed him. And in the New Testament, 
You see Jesus coming forward and saying that giving is an opportunity and a privilege, not a responsibility and an obligation. You have the opportunity and the privilege to give, but, but if you give under compulsion, you, you shouldn't. See, because here's the thing that the New Testament tells us over and over and again, and I know this to be true because I live the life alongside you, is there is nothing I can ever do to repay God for what he's done for me, you and ever, and always. You see, God gave us life. He created us with minds and gave us free will. He gave us the opportunity to go and do whatever it is and become and whoever we want to become, whatever, whatever we're, we're desirous of becoming. And even though in the midst of that we make lots of mistakes and we fall short of the glory that God would want, want for us, he is willing to take all of our sins, all of our iniquities, all the things that are horrible about us and die on the cross so that we might be redeemed and given new life. You see, there's no way that I can repay anyone that's done that for me. There's no way you can repay completely and fully and, and make it even. You say, well, Jesus, you died on the cross. Well, if I give 100 bucks in the offering, that makes us even, right? No, Th- that's not how that works. We can never do anything to repay our God completely. But what we should do is strive uh, to, to do something very important. And that's why I brought this image up and we'll refer to it several times. You see, the image of the offering plate for me, and it's something I've said many, many times if you've been inclined to, to listen to the words of my prayers. I always believe that if we offer ourselves correctly, it is such as, such as it was if we could just simply jump ourselves, our whole body, our whole person into the offering plate. I would love to, to live a life that, such as it was that I cast myself in God's offering plate and I was placed on God's altar and that's where I lived my life out. I mean, that's how a Christian is supposed to give of themselves. Not, not holding back, not, not keeping things from God. And, and so what I want to talk about this morning is Christian giving in reference to the total value of all the things that we have in our lives and all the opportunities we have. You see, The Lord Jesus Christ has appointed the church as his vehicle in the world. There are other ways, but the Lord himself, if you look at the Holy Scriptures, if you listen to what what Jesus says to Peter, if you listen to what the Spirit says in the book of Acts, the Lord himself has appointed the church as his vehicle in the world. Thus, when we desire to give ourselves to God, we give through the church. This one and thousands of others like it. We, we give ourselves to God in that way. And, and I'm going to bring to you today four gifts that you can give to God through your church. Four gifts that you can give to God through his church, your church. And, and I'm going to flush them out. Time is the first one. Time. Time's a-wasting. The time is coming. Time is short. All those kind of things. Here's what we know about Time. Time is my most valuable asset. I I remember speaking with a guy the other day, and he was saying, well, I got a lot more money than I got time. Can you help me here? I'm like, yeah, give me some of both. But see, time's our most valuable asset. Because one thing we know, it passes. And we can't make more of it. No matter what we do. It will pass, and we can't make more of it. Look what the Apostle James writes in in James chapter 4. Uh, 4 verses 13 and following. Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to go to a certain town and stay there for a year. We will do our business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life's going to be like tomorrow? That's, 
That's something that you have to question. How do you know what your life's going to be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Life is brief, and we cannot presume anything about the future. I lived in the western United States for 12 of my years. And I remember out there, they have something. Some of you that have been in Arizona, maybe even some to, to some point Texas when you've summered or someplace like that, they have out there what's called the manana culture. You know what that means? Manana means tomorrow. So you call somebody and say, hey, I've got this cabinet broken. Can you come out and fix it? They say, oh yeah, man- manana, manana, manana. You know what I know about manana? It never happens. Manana never comes. So you, you I mean, you... you you know, if someone says manana, they say, oh, okay, you know, so we're not, we're not going to get it. They mean well. Their intention is, oh, yeah, I'll be there tomorrow. I've got this and that, but then I'll be over there tomorrow. Well, here's the thing. Manana is okay in regards to, to cabinet fixing or door fixing. It might even be okay in, in, in cementing your driveway again. But manana is not okay in our commitment to God. You can't say, well, I'm going to tie my, my loose ends up with God, manana. I'm going to tie my loose ends. I'm going to get my rights, myself right with God some other day as time comes out. Because you do not know what's going to happen between now and then. You simply do not know. The best time to make a commitment is the time that you can manage, which is right now. The only time I can ever manage is what's right now, is what's happening where I'm at right now. I can com- make my commitment to, to God now because I really don't know if tomorrow, tomorrow's coming. I'm hoping for the best. My doctors and friends and family all think I'll make it till tomorrow. But there's no certainties. You see, tomorrow's not guaranteed. And so when I talk about one of the greatest gifts, one of the four great gifts you can give to, to, to God through the church, and when I say that it's time, is it's, tomorrow's not guaranteed. So give your time today. Give your time when, when asked. and then we, we have to be sensitive to the opportunities that are, that are placed in, for, in front of us. I, you know, people have told me all the time that they say, well, opportunity knocked and I wasn't home. I said, no, you were home. You just weren't ready. You were home. Opportunity comes to all of us. And sometimes that opportunity comes to give ourselves to God and we're just not ready. We're, we're just not ready uh, for it to come. But, but I do know this, that sometimes you are See, this is, my, this is my shout to praise right now because I was talking just in the last couple weeks to one of the members of this church. Speaking of another member of this church, she was so down because she'd lost her husband. She was kind of having one of those days of funk that sometimes when you've had bad things happen to you six months after it, she was sitting there she's down herself having a pity party. And this friend, one of you, walked over there because she said, for some reason, I thought I should go see her. And she said she came at just the right time. The opportunity knocked in her heart and she stepped into it and she knew the time was right then. And you know what happened? It changed everything about her friend because the opportunity was seized. See, our time is always going to, our use of time is always going to reflect our priorities. I used to have a guy working for me, not here in this church, but elsewhere where I had the, the seat of opportunity, which is where the buck stops, you know. And this guy used to always tell me, he says, Pastor, I love this job. This job is so important to me. I just love it. And he'd talk it up. He'd say, oh, this job. And he'd talk to other people. And say, this job is so important to me. I love this job. And I finally said to him, I said, this job's important to you? He says, yes, it's very important to me. I said, you love this job? Yes. He says, it's one of the most important things in my life. I said, well, then come to it more often. When you are scheduled to work, come to it. 
And he went on like that for weeks. Oh, this job's so important. Well, eventually, you know, he wasn't showing up. So he lost that which was important to him. You know, our time reflects our priorities. And so in relation to your time, what are you putting in? What are you putting in in relation to your time? It's important to reflect on this. The second of the four gifts that you can give to your church are your talents. In the context of of whole life giving, to me it's clear that every person has God-given talents ranging from art to music, from maintenance to accounting. I don't have this. You have that talent? Holy cow, if I'd have grabbed a paintbrush, they'd all left the church. Pastor, please go away. That's not my skill, but it's theirs. You know? I, I, I mean, a lot of us have different skills. A lot of us have different things. And our question is, are we giving to God? I can see for, for a fact that a lot of young people, a lot of workers in our church gave a lot of time to God here this week. It's, it's evident. They gave their talents to God. And, 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 and you see, there are other things that we can do. Because, see, God doesn't ask you to do something I can do. And he doesn't ask me to do something they can do. He gives me specific talents that I can use and admonishes me by his strong Holy Spirit to use them, to build up his church for the glory of God. Look what it says, what Paul says in Romans. He says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, see, he's telling you that you already have something. And then he goes on to tell you, if you have it, use it well. If you have the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much as faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If your gift is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. See, all of us have talents that are of great value. All of us have talents that that we believe are a gift from God. And so the simple thing, and I could go on for the, on this particular subject forever, but you already know what they are, and you already know what's being asked of you. So, so I say, of your talents, what are you putting in? What are you putting in? It's one of the great gifts that represents you to God. And of the four things that I want to talk about, the gifts that we can give to God for His church, time, talents, and the third is your talk. You're like, What? Another older reference, there's a comedian named Joan Rivers. Do you remember her? She'd always say, can we talk? Can we talk? Can we talk? I, trust me, I know the Methodists. We can talk. I, 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 since you're in here, I was telling the earlier group, I said, you know, there was a few years ago where I had a guest, a friend come in here. He was going to do some music. His name is Phil Morgan. And, and we were getting ready, and, and, and Diane was playing a prelude. And maybe it was 8.30 service. I don't remember what, but I remember Phil said, is your organist playing? He, can, he says, I can see her moving her hands, but is she playing? I said, yeah, she's playing. He says, I can't hear. This is the talkingest congregation I've ever heard. Because this is boom. You know, we're at an elevated position. This boom at us. So we know we can talk. And we also know what the scripture says. The tongue is a two-edged sword, but the very same song, tongue that we curse, we also bless. So, so the question is, can you give your talk for the church. Now, I'm not going to talk about how you can witness to Jesus Christ and actually share your faith as a specific way. We're going to talk about that in a couple ways. I'm talking about your, 
really your talk talk your your idle talk your everyday talk the things that you say all, all the the time and i'm going to invest ask you to invest yourself in talking well of the church of jesus look at what it says in in philippians chapter 4 and now dear brothers and sisters one final thing fix your thoughts and i'm talking about your words on what is true what is honorable what is right what is pure and lovely and admirable think about these things for they are excellent and worthy of praise keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me everything you heard from me and saw me doing then the peace of god will be with you here's the thing jesus loves his church he loves his church he loves this church speak well of it give your talk to speaking well of the church Tony Campolo, who for a long time was the president of Eastern College, famous Christian speaker, I heard him say this once to a group of pastors. By the way, this will fillet your soul. The devil has not chased nearly as many people away from the church as Christians who talk poorly of it have. That just slays me. The devil has not chased nearly as many people away from the church as Christians who talk poorly of it. I know this to be true. I have ministry interns every year. And the last three years, it's been interesting to hear while our church is growing in the right way and all that kind of stuff. At the end, I, I asked them, what's the biggest thing that surprised you about this? And they said, the amount of criticism in the church. Who saw that? You know, that's not where we want to be. That, that's not what I, I don't agree with everything that goes on in the church do you that would be a lot to ask i don't agree with everything that goes on in my house do you i mean i have people come to me and say well i don't agree with this in the church budget i said hey i walked into my kid's bedroom the other day saw three pairs of shoes and i don't agree with those either and i paid for them you know, I mean, we're not all going to agree on everything. That's just the way it is. But here's what we do believe in. We believe in one Lord, one faith, one baptism, okay? And so we are one together in Christ. And of course, you have things that will rub you the wrong way. I do too. I just don't tell you because I don't want to hurt your feelings, okay? But when we go out into the public, when we're around people that are our friends, that are our family members, that are seekers, whether you're talking in the mall or, 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 or here, when you're talking about your church, does what you say about Marian Methodist make them say, wow, I want to be a part of that? I, I remember going to a church 20 years ago, and I love the church. I served eight great years at this church. But when I went into Hybee the very first day, and they asked me, what are, you, what are you moving to town for? I said, I'm the pastor at Asbury United Methodist Church, which has a great history and a great future. They said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, what do you mean? They said, oh, that church has got problems. You ought to hear them talk about it in here. I'm like, glad I moved my stuff here. I mean, it transformed because as a, as a congregation, we were able to say, let's talk well about our church. Let's proclaim well about our church. And I think it became one of the better churches in north central Iowa. It, it really did because we were able to talk well uh, of our church. And, and I think the same thing happens to, uh, 
here, I'm not critiquing anything specific here. I'm talking about generally. We need to talk well of our church. I would love it if everyone here stole an offering envelope or a prayer card or something and wrote down two things they love about First United Methodist Church, about Marian Methodist, and spent this whole week talking about that. Oh, how I love all this. We're Hundreds of children are going to come in here. Oh, I love, I mean, I get that, you know, we don't wear robes or whatever it is that you don't like anymore. But, but put down on the sheet and just say, I've got to speak about my church. Because, of course, if we're building the kingdom of God, that we should be speaking well of it. We don't want to say, oh, boy, we're, let's build the kingdom of God. And then everything we say about it tears it down. Now, again, I am not pointing at any one person or any group of you individually. I'm just saying how important it is because we in the church need to talk well of our church because you know who its head is not anybody named mike or keith the head of the church is jesus christ crucified and resurrected and when we speak poorly of his church we speak poorly of him of course we're not all going to like the egg salad at the potluck we're not and of course we might not even think that the hymn that i love this morning is the greatest song you'd ever heard but what we do know we have one lord and one no other and he is the center of our church and speak well of him because it befits you and it befits him so in the words you use every single day what are you putting in what if your words are going in here that will grow and build up the church there's a fourth gift that you can give to your church give your time your talents your talk your treasure. Now, those of you that are on the finance committee said, finally, finally. And those of you that came in and saw the offering plate are saying, oh, this was the money talk. Well, it has that. It has that opportunity to it because scriptures are clear about our money. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 20. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than receive. Our giving of our money, of what we do with what's in our pocket, what's in our checkbook, is an absolute statement of what represents us to God. We have to decide in our life that either God is or is not the creator and the owner of the world. If God is the creator and the owner of the world, then everything in it, which includes our ideas, our enterprises, our things that we've done, the things that we own, all that, if God is the creator and the owner of the world, then we are just passing by. And the piece of property that we live in right now was owned previously by someone else, and it will be owned by someone else again, but all in the stewardship of God. And that we then, because of that, if we believe that God is the creator of, of, of the earth, then we understand that we can give something to him. If you don't believe that God is, if you, if, if you believe that God is not the creator of earth, let me help you a bit with something. This is the church of Jesus Christ, and we believe that here. So if you thought you were at Country Kitchen or something, that's not where we're at. Our giving is a statement of, of what we believe, and we decide that, that, that we're going to be loyal to God with our cash or we're not. And, and, and our witness, <clears throat> excuse me, to God in, in our lives is directly related to how much of what we have we give to him in 2 Corinthians. And, and I want to be clear about this. I don't try to compel anybody to give. I'm not going to downspeak anybody. I'm just telling you what the scriptures say. In 2 Corinthians uh, 9, it says, each one of us must give as he decided to give in his heart, 
not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I also know this. Hear this very clearly. If you don't have, you can't give. Duh. Don't feel bad about that. You cannot give to anyone or anything what you do not have. So don't be broken or hurt by that. But I also will say I pull no punches. I believe in giving money to God. I believe what Horatio Cain says in CSI. You want to find something, follow the money. Follow the money and you'll know where a person's heart is. But Jesus said it first. He says, where your treasure is, there is your heart also. And when I die, I know this. The most theological document I'll ever, ever written in my life is not hundreds of sermons. It's not going to be beautiful letters or emails that I've sent to congregational members or something like that. The most theological document I'm ever going to write in my life is my checkbook. Because my checkbook tells you what's most important to me, and I said it here and I'll say it again. It's my house because I have to have one. It's my family because they cost a lot. And it's my church. And maybe at times, like in a building committee, one of those might switch orders in a building campaign. Truly might. Now, I don't tell you that other than to say that you can believe in who's talking to you because he puts his money where his heart and his mouth is. So therefore, I have the opportunity to stand before you and and say that your checkbook is a theological document. I I was speaking to a, a very happy family in our church years and years ago here. And the husband came up to me. Maybe it was in November. Maybe it was when we hand out pledge cards or something like that. I I don't know. But he said, you know, Pastor Mike, I'm devastated today. And I I said, why? I said his name, of course. I said, why? He says, because we want to give to the church, but at the end of the month with this, that, and the other thing that we're doing, there's just not anything left over. And I said, well, let's look at it from a biblical standpoint a little bit. I said, rather than looking at it at what's left over, why don't you give to the Lord first? And then you live on what's left over because there's what I know the Lord never gives us of himself what's left over he gives us everything he has and so he doesn't deal in terms with leftovers and, and it was very kind and loving conversation because here's the victory for Jesus in this about a half year later he came up to me right here and said you know what we've been trying what you've tried and we started giving we didn't even start low we started at that 10% thing it's called a tithe 10% See, so we started that 10%, and guess what? We always have money left over for ourselves. Now, I don't believe in the prosperity gospel, and I don't believe in that whole idea of you've got to give to get, but I do know that. That's true. I've been giving way more than 10% for most of my life, and I always seem to have enough to eat, right? Seem to have the ability to own a motorized vehicle and all those kind of, kind of things. But, but see, it's about putting our money where our heart is, where our lives uh, are. And so, so of the money you get, the money you earn, of the money you've retained, what are you putting in? What are you putting in? You see, I believe that we give to God because a Christian offers his gift, our gifts, his or her gifts, because we've received our salvation. We, he he gave that to us without price. That was of no cost to you. That's a free gift of your salvation. 
And we give to God because we've been nurtured in the faith and grown in the church. We give to God because we see the church as the one organization that can bring wholeness to the world and peace on earth. We give to the church our gifts to God because we desire to come into deeper communion, because we desire face-to-face life with God by giving what what we have and what means a lot to us to, to Him. We give to God because it's our desire and dream that we can put our whole self in here because I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that our Lord Jesus is going to come back. And one of the things he's going to ask us of us, he says, what did you do with what I gave you? Did you put in everything you had the opportunity to? That's my prayer for you. That whatever it is, your time, your talents, your treasure, your talk, that you put it all in for the growth and the sake of the church of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we ask your blessing on this day. We ask that as we uh, go about a life of discernment, that you might bless us with the freedom of heart to bless you in the giving of our gifts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take a look at this. Hello. My name is Sabra Hauser. My family and I have been coming to Marion Methodist for a couple years now. We enjoy the youth ministries, and I also enjoy becoming a part of the Connections Ministry, where I can meet and greet new people. These are the reasons I give my time and my resources to this church. Please join me in worshiping God in this way. Would the ushers please come forward?